It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> Everybody, welcome in. It is uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. Nice to have you along. We've got uh, quite a bit going on here around Pirate Nation today. It's turned into a huge day, a huge day on the uh, on the uh, program. And I am freezing. I don't know about uh, you, uh, Mr. Pilkington, but uh, I the older I get, the less I do well with cold weather. I, I don't know how you're feeling about it. I know the young compadres that are in there with us uh, are probably fine. Uh, they're probably in shorts, as the young people are apt to do when it's 40 degrees. But uh, I am uh, reaching the, the point where I need afternoon coffee and I need flannel to stay warm this time of year. So that's that's what I've got on my end. So you don't strike me as a cold weather guy, Pilk. You seem a little soft. Hey, no, I don't hear that. Actually, I, I don't like sweating. I slut very easily. I enjoy the summertime, but um, I was glad. We were having to unload some stuff out of the van today. I was so happy to not be sweating bullets. And both the boys in here actually in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, which you can get away with shorts in this room with all of our computer monitors. It's pretty warm. Yeah, it's warm under the lights and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally uh, totally understand. All right, uh, nice to have you along. Um Tell you what, we've got uh, we got a hustle here because we've got two great guests today. We're going to have uh, our friend Travis Hancock, T-Bones, from WFNC's morning show, The Sports Station, out in Charlotte. Uh, because of all the ECU-related news yesterday, we didn't get a chance to really get into, um, you know, the uh, the issues uh, going on in Charlotte. I mean, the Frank Reich thing is, is uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how puzzling it is. I kind of was thinking to myself the day of it that, you know, you might see this team make a move in the offseason. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I thought, okay, they're either going to overhaul the coaching staff or Reich is in trouble or, or something like that. I kind of was thinking that uh, back in, you know, the start of the uh, – kind of the start of the uh, – uh, well, the week, especially after that horrible loss. And supposedly uh, David Tepper was fuming – so I'm not surprised that something was done, but I, th- I just wonder, you know, it just seems drastic as heck to be firing the, the, the head coach in his first year, 11 games into it. And look, he's going to get $30 million over the next three years. So, I mean, he's not worried about it at all. I mean, there's, there's no reason for him to be concerned in the slightest bit because he's going to be well paid. And, uh, but, I, you know, you were telling me, Pilk, you know, Tepper held a bizarre ranting press conference yesterday. And part of it was he is um, he's talking about all the events that are being held now at Bank of America Stadium and all that before he got there. And I just I don't understand the reasoning behind that. What was that about? Well, somebody just kind of asked him, you know, what's going to change? And he was kind of tooting his own horn saying, like, well, I've already changed things for the better. You know, they wanted to know how come you keep firing soccer coaches and football coaches. How are we going to get some stability? Right. And he's like, well, we've had all these concerts. And now we've got a soccer team. Beyonce oh, I'm so great. Listen to me. Taylor look at Swift me. has been here. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's, oh, no, that's she didn't come. No, I remember she didn't come. She didn't? No, we don't okay. have uh, unisex bathrooms, so her liberal rear end ah. wouldn't show up, which I don't, don't care. Say. Yeah. 
I know we're not supposed to talk I politics on this show. It's supposed to stick for Henry's show. I did show, not. But yeah. I did not know that. I did not know that that uh, she had. I thought she had performed there, but Beyonce did. Garth Brooks has right. All these things didn't happen before David Tepper. You need to be thankful for uh, for him. They've only held major events there for years. All right. Um, let's get into a pirate report because we got a lot to cover there. Also, Steve and I go coming up later in the show. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, his reaction to John Gilbert's press conference yesterday and where the OC search is and all of that. Uh, so I go coming up on the PJ show. But right now, uh, pirate report time. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, released today, the ECU uh, football, excuse me, baseball schedule came out. Uh, I'd seen this about a month and a half ago, but uh, there were still some dates and a few things that were being sorted out. Uh, the Pirates will open the uh, season on uh, Friday, February 16th against Ryder. Three-game series to open the year. Then they'll uh, take that annual first road trip to uh, Campbell and Bowie's Creek to take on the Camels on Tuesday, the 20th of February. Uh, North Carolina at the Bosch on uh, Friday, the 23rd. Uh, for that series, that goes uh, Chapel Hill to be determined. They're hoping a neutral site, obviously. And then uh, Greenville on Sunday, February 25th at 2 p.m. Uh, the Keith LeClaire Classic will have uh, Purdue, Cal State Fullerton, and Southeastern Louisiana uh, coming to Greenville. The Purdue game will be Friday, March 1st at 4.30. That's the first opponent. Fullerton is the second opponent with a 3.30 first pitch uh, that day from Clark LeClaire. And then Sunday, Southeastern Louisiana at 1 o'clock. That week on March uh 5th and 6th, that Tuesday and Wednesday, 4 p.m. first pitch time scheduled against uh, VCU on back-to-back days. Uh, then they will embark on a trip to uh, Liberty and UNCW, and Columbia will be uh, the mid-March uh, team they will face in a three-game uh, set. Uh, Pirates will open the uh, 2024 conference schedule with uh, a trip to San Antonio to take on the Roadrunners of UTSA, and uh, that will be on March 22nd, a Friday night. Uh, they'll also have games uh, in San Antonio at 3 and 2, respectively. Uh, the Seahawks of UNCW coming to town on March 26th. That's Tuesday, 6 o'clock first pitch. Uh, and then the first conference series will be UAB. First conference home series, pardon me, will be UAB uh, March 28th. That's a Thursday, March 29th, a Friday, and then Saturday the 30th, so Easter weekend. Uh, all of those uh, those two games to start the series Thursday, Friday at 6 noon for the Saturday game. Pirates on April 2nd will go to NC State. They'll host Charlotte uh, on April 12th, 13th, and 14th. Weekend set in Greenville. Uh, Wichita State will also come to town April 19th through the uh, 21st for a conference uh, game. April 23rd is a Tuesday evening, and the Pirates are set to host NC State at Clark LeClaire Stadium. They'll host Duke on May 7th, Tuesday, May 7th, P-Man's birthday. Go ahead and start your shopping now. And uh, a trip to Tulane after that, and then they will uh, come back and uh, play the last four games of the year at home of the regular season. Campbell on May 14th, the Tuesday. That was a great game last year between the uh, two. It went back and forth with the Camels ultimately winning, and then they'll close out the regular 
season uh, with Rice in Greenville. The Owls will be here the uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th of uh, May. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So a couple of 6 o'clock starts and a 1 o'clock start for the uh, Saturday game. Pilk, have you already uh, thought about my birthday? I mean, I know we have Christmas, and you've already probably taken care of that, but have you thought about my birthday gift? Yeah, I'm I'm starting to brainstorm about it. I'm sure. May's May's going to sneak up on us. You've had yes, it is. You've had uh, you've had uh, Christmas already in the bag for months. I'm sure. All right, um, let's uh, also uh, get to a final score to report for you uh, today. It was Education Day. You know, this started uh, in minor league baseball many many moons ago. Uh, minor league teams would do this. Uh, they would invite the kiddos out, and it was a great way to have kind of a an early. Uh, midweek game, have some kids in the stands, sell some concessions. And uh, now a lot of women's basketball programs, including the Pirates, have done this now. Uh, They uh, handled Hampton today at ECU 75-55 to snap their three-game losing streak. Uh, 6,166 fans on hand to uh, watch the program uh, get its third win of the year, watch the team get its third win of the year. These things always sound like cheap trick at the Budokan at the beginning because you have the little shrill children voices and the fans when it's minor league baseball or when it's um, these basketball games. So it always sounds, you know, eh, that's what it always sounds like. So, all right. Uh, so congrats there. Pirates will be back in action for women's basketball Saturday at 2 against Coppin State. So it's kind of a, a, a hectic weekend with the uh, setup and breakdown of everything going on with uh, volleyball and all that. We'll tell you more about that uh, tomorrow. Uh, Pilk, do we want to do these uh, cuts? I guess we we need to, don't we? Uh, is that what we want to do? I think we do. So let's uh, hear from Mike Swartz. Pirates are, of course, hosting UNCW tomorrow. We'll have the game for you with airtime of 6.30 uh, here on 94.3 The Game and on the uh, East Carolina Sports Network, also 107.9 WNCT, and uh, it'll be a 7 o'clock tip. 702 uh, from Minji's Coliseum as East Carolina takes on and hosts the UNCW Seahawks, one of the uh, longtime rivals for Pirate basketball. Uh, this is uh, Mike Swartz scouting the 5-1 and one Seahawks. Uh, really big challenge for our team with a very good UNC Wilmington team coming in here, 5-1, uh, and one, high-pressure defensive team. Um, shoot the ball about as well as anybody in the country, nearly 44% from three, so we know what kind of challenge this is going to be for us tomorrow night. All right, uh, more from uh, Coach Swartz here where he uh, talks about uh, the George Mason game. And now that he's gone back and watched it on film, what are some of the things that he saw? Didn't like much, um, but, you know, the biggest thing that, I again, I keep talking about our defense, and it's an area we got to get right. Um, I don't think we were nearly as explosive and physical as we were capable of being. I mean, Brandon Johnson hadn't practiced since November 10th, uh, and yesterday he got back into practice. So even though he had played in those two games, the final ones in the MTE, and he played Mason, he had not had any practice time uh, because some of the things in, you know, uh, Ezra had not practiced leading into the Mason game. So I think that did affect us, our front court. But George Mason is a strong front court team. Uh, we were almost kind of mirror images of each other going in in terms of production coming from your four and five spot. And I thought we really got hurt in the paint that game. And uh, that, you know, that I think that kind of snowballed it for us. And then uh, Coach Swartz uh, continuing on UNCW and what worries him about Wilmington? 
uh, how great they shoot the basketball. Uh, I think they're a very good, disciplined offensive team. They play fast. They do create a lot of offense with their defense. Uh, but, you know, looking at just from film-wise and numbers-wise, they have a lot of really good players, including guys that hurt us last year uh, at Wilmington. But they shoot shooting the ball at a very high level, literally number four in the country right now in terms of the way they shoot the basketball. So, uh, obviously, we have to guard the three-point line. And uh, when asked about what he has learned about his team so far, this is what Mike Swartz had to say. We are still looking for production from the bench. We're still looking for guys to step up and do, and I think it's going to happen. Again, I, as I said to Stephen, I think one of the biggest things with this team right now is we have not been able to practice the way we want to. I'm, I'm a practice guy. Uh, this is a practice coaching staff. And because of stuff that is out of our control sometimes, injuries are a part of sports, guys not in practice, maybe two guys out, one guy out. So we've really struggled to find that rhythm in practice, and I think it showed on the court at times. Uh, like even Bobby, who is playing, I think, some of his best basketball right now, he's just hitting his stride because he missed two months of practice. And so that's what I'm figuring out right now through seven games that we're still kind of putting this thing together. A couple more cuts I want to get to here from Mike Swartz. Uh, this is, of course, a game that has a rivalry component to it. I, I hope they will play every year. I think they should play every year. Uh, UNCW and East Carolina and uh, on uh, on the rivalry. And, of course, you know, a lot of these same guys for both teams are back as the Seahawks won by 13 last year down in Wilmington in a game that probably wasn't even that close. So uh, this is uh, Mike Swartz on the rivalry aspect of this matchup. I, I would think Coach Siddle would say the same thing. I think his team, our team, they're both just really motivated because we had an opportunity to play. There's no doubt this is great for the fan bases. Uh, Great for the programs, and Wilmington has a, a rich tradition of basketball. They've done, they always have been, and they're doing it again right now. Uh, but from a motivation standpoint, I think both teams are just excited to play in a high-level game. It was an incredible atmosphere in Wilmington last year, as good as we were in all year. And we hope that Minji's will be that tomorrow night. And speaking of which, uh, Coach, wanting a big fan turnout. It would be awesome if we have Minji's pack tomorrow night. It, it really would be. Uh, I tell you, like, there wasn't a seat open in the house last year in Trask Coliseum, and it was an electric atmosphere, and I think our guys are excited. Uh, I know it's a you know, painted purple type game in terms of the atmosphere and, and, and the fans and the students, and I know they're going to have giveaways, so it would obviously be electric to have that kind of atmosphere in there. Hilk, a good producer would have had Taylor Swift, I'm just saying. It's I'm not in our saying. catalog. <laughs> I bet it is. It's not in your catalog, though. All right. Um, thanks for being with us here today. 94.3 The Game, IBX Media app, our video platforms. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for tuning in to uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm merely the great P-Man. By the way, Pilk will be in tomorrow. We just couldn't really work it out to get my uh, schedule lined up with all the other stuff I'm doing because I'm doing volleyball as well this weekend for the Invitational, both games. So uh, it just works better tomorrow. Pilk's going to be on the show. He'll talk the ECU baseball schedule with Scooter, and he will talk uh, to Jim Zoki about the Panthers. We're talking Panthers next. Uh, our great friend from uh, Charlotte Morning Sports Radio, T-Bone, Travis Hancock on the other side. Turn your 
We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back. Uh, Mac and Bone, the sensational radio program out in uh, Charlotte, is co-hosted by our friend Travis Hancock, uh, T-Bone. And uh, he and I are just BFFs when it comes to radio. He joins us now on the phone from WFNZ. Also hosts the Hornets pregame. And I want to talk to him. We love Zoke, but I don't want to put Zoke in a bad spot. So we got T-Bone to give us the real deal on what the hell's going on out in Charlotte with the Panthers right now. Uh, Travis, I hope it was a good Thanksgiving for you. And uh, it's always great to talk to you. I, you know, I love uh, whenever we, we have you on. Yeah, it's great to be on. And uh, Thanksgiving was wonderful. It was a couple of days off of uh, not really talking about the Panthers and or the Hornets <laughs> or anything going on. And then, right, you know, I was in Missouri for the whole holiday where, where my dad lives. And I was really distant from the hell uh, that I go through on a daily basis. And then... I'm at the airport the other day, and I'm watch- I was on the air Monday, so I had to sort of, you know, at least pay attention to what was going on. And I'm watching the Hornets game uh, at Midway Airport in Chicago on my phone. And as I'm boarding the plane, uh, Lamelo Ball gets injured. As I'm boarding the plane, yeah. I said, "Well, right back at it, aren't we?" And, and I get back the next day, and uh, Frank Reich's <laughs> fired. So yeah, happy holidays, Ben. Glad to be back. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you something, T-Bone. You derelicts out there need to kneel at the feet of Tepper because you didn't have Beyonce concerts before that dude showed up. Oh. So I just want you to know that. Every every presser, there's two things that happen on the, the Tepper bingo card. <laughs> every every presser. And look, those things are like, I'm not trying to knock the things because they, they do matter in some light. Like he, he mentions the legends and they're back like that's wonderful. Like that matters. I care about that stuff. Also, like the concerts, like those matter, but they don't matter in a presser where we're trying to figure out why you're firing another football coach. I don't sit here on Sundays and watch this offense and go, "Hey, you know what? They, they scored, you know, ten or less five or seven games, or they've averaged twelve since the bye week, whatever the number is." I don't sit here and watch the offense and say, "But you know what?" We got Kenny Chesney coming in April, so it's all good. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Different worlds, man. I don't watch the MLS team and go, you know what? I don't care about football. Like it's all it, it all matters in a certain degree. But when it comes to watching the football team, I don't care that Morgan Wallen's coming in July. Like no one cares at that moment, right? <laughs> How about you get an event called a playoff game? There you go. That'd be a great event. If it yeah. was one called a playoff game, that would be played uh, there. Travis Hancock, WFNZ, the great T-Bone, uh, from a Mac and Bone uh, morning show out in uh, Charlotte on 92.7. It's been quite an eventful uh, couple days for our friend uh, Travis Hancock. So I mean, let's let's get for real. What the hell? I mean, look, I, certainly Sunday was lousy, but, I mean, this team is not – it has no dudes. They've traded away their future. They've They've – Bet the farm on a guy who might be okay, but he's a 5'9 rookie quarterback. Um, offensive line's been banged up. Defense is banged up. I mean, this to me, this just seems like the, the, the overreaction and what continues to fester out there is just instability and chaos. And you can't run an NFL franchise on chaos. You have to have a foundation. So, I mean... 
what is going on out there? I call it the organization of this organization right now because it's not organized. Yeah. Any, either is the the soccer side, to be honest. Not that that matters to us what we're talking about, but it all it's all chaos over the building. There are people. You know, this will be Tepper's counting the interims and counting soccer. The next coach that he hires will be his ninth coach since 2018 in both sports. I mean, Jeez. that's just it. And he comes from Pittsburgh. They've they've had three coaches since 1960. So how does that even work? You come from Pittsburgh, the most stable franchise ever, and you've had you've had tw- three times as many coaches in your sports. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm yelling. It's been a long week. Uh, here's no, that's the fine. problem. I don't I don't think that it has as much. Yes, obviously, one in ten is embarrassing, but I think it's also two things. Number one, I think it's how they got to one in ten. I think if they were showing signs on offense of growth and they were looking the part and losing games in an entertaining fashion, I think Tepper would say, all right, we're showing offensive progress more so than we did before. The losses are not good, but Bryce Young's looking better. The, the, the team's creative. They're entertaining. I can live with this brand of football, and more wins will come. The fact that they're awful, and they're awful to watch, and they came off the bye week, and they've averaged 12 points a game since the bye week, to me it's more about the brand of football and the lack of progress more than anything we also heard back in August, right around the time that they looked terrible against the Jets, which we thought was a fluke in the preseason, which, oh, by the way, sorry about that. That was real. Um, we had heard that he was already dissatisfied with the hire as far back as the preseason because what? he did not like the way that he wasn't aggressive as a coach, that he was laid back. He wasn't a get-after guy. He didn't like the personality development of right with the team as far back as August. And at the time, I thought, wow, Tepper's really, you know, reacting quickly here. It turns out he was probably right, but he did make the hire, so he's wrong with that. But so the fact that it didn't go well throughout the year, I always had in my mind, oh, Tepper, Tepper had hiring regret all the way back in August. So I'm not right. shocked that Wright got fired at this point in the season. I'm shocked that it got to this point that he got fired. But certainly, based off what I heard in August, it didn't seem like this thing was ever going to last too long. Well, okay. Uh, we've got Travis Hancock with us here uh, from a WFNZ in their morning show, Mac and Bone. All right, T-Bone, let me ask you this then. It's the NFL, so obviously somebody will be a head coach. Somebody wants to be a head coach. I mean, it's there's only 30-some-odd of these, of these jobs, right. and they're quite high profile. But, I mean, I can't imagine anybody would want to go there in good faith knowing that it is as dysfunctional. Because, I mean – you talked about the coaching between, you know, the soccer yeah. MLS three seasons, three different coaches. Uh, you know, there'll be his ninth coaching hire between those two sports. But I mean, there's people he hired. It's not like they, he's cleaned out people who are were there before him, like on the business side or, or any of that. There are people that he hires on the business side or on the whatever side behind the scenes, and then they're fired within like a couple months. So I mean, it's it's yeah. it's again. Uh, an organization of this organization, how can you expect to attract a decent head coach, a, a competent offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, even players that have a future in free agency, you know, not guys that maybe are on the back end of their career or castaways. How do you attract these people if it's so dysfunctional? Yeah, it's going to be really hard, especially with Los Angeles being open, potentially the Chargers and it's LA. Yeah. It's Herbert. Like they're all, they're and you all got a quarterback. Stocky. 
Yeah, and then Atlanta might be open. We don't know. They've got weapons. You know, there's other areas. Like, here's the problem. You've got the Tepper thing here, which who wants to play for that or coach for that? You've got a roster that has done a terrible job of drafting depth. So the roster needs a complete upheaval of, of depth. So you've got a roster problem, you've got an owner problem, and you don't have the draft pick. So how does that – yes, someone's, of course, going to want the job, but the offensive-minded coordinators, Ben Johnson from the Lions, turned them down last year. Does it look any better this year for them? I, is he, you got He's a UNC guy. you got to ask, but he's probably going to try to go where we just said for Herbert. You've got Shane Waldron in Seattle, who's done a fabulous job with Geno Smith, but is he just going to hang on out there and wait out Pete Carroll? You've got Bobby Slowick in Houston, who probably, honestly, should be one of their first couple of calls off of what he's done with C.J. Stroud. But I, oh, yeah. do, we, do, we have to, do we have the confidence here that, that, that they're going to get the, the, the guys at the top of their wish list? We've seen how this operates. He probably ain't getting one or two. So then there's the other guys, and they're the guys that, from the radio purposes, are absolute home run, no doubters for what we do. <laughs> and look, I don't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't. Right. But here's the fact of Jim Harbaugh. You know he's not going to last long with Tepper. He's going to butt heads after a while. But there's no sure. doubting that his track record, he wins wherever he goes. He improves everything he touches. So they've got to find someone to get this thing back to a stable place. I'm not even talking about playoffs. I'm just talking about for right. God's sakes, we get back to mediocrity. And Jim Harbaugh can at least improve that a little bit. And then, of course, there's reports today that Bill Belichick might be interested. So that's the other one coming up now. What? Yeah, the Boston Globe reports. It's actually a lot happening as, as we speak right now. The Boston Globe, uh, their main B writer for the Patriots, has a whole thing up there that there's a lot of connections between Belichick and the Panthers right now about – Belichick has been seen to be an L.A. guy, perhaps, but excuse me, he doesn't want to go west, and he would like the blank slate of the Panthers. Uh, so that's been a big – and then Cam Newton. It's a blank slate. I, I just right, – <laughs> right when I was coming on with you, Cam said today yeah. on his Wednesday podcast, I have not heard it yet, but apparently uh-huh. Cam said that, that Belichick's probably going to be the guy that Tepper goes and tries to get. So um, there's a lot that of Belichick really smoke right now. Yeah. Hey – all I know is Chris Tabor wants him to have fun. So, by golly, let's have some fun. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let me tell you, Chris Tabor, what we're not doing is having fun right now. <laughs> hey, did is is uh, Capers still there? And and the Capers uh, rug is it still or, or the or well, the hair job the there? Is it still? Um, yeah. <laughs> we haven't actually seen him in about eight or ten weeks or so. so right. Right. We see Caldwell making faces behind Frank Reich of absolute disgust. He's back there. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, the magic carpet of uh, Dom Capers. We we do not know if that flew out of town or not. We have not actually seen old Dom lately. I think about you. You had to interview him the day after he rolled out there with that thing. Yeah. You had to interview him in studio, and I still think about that, and I laugh. It's just yeah, it's you, hysterical. You talk about me. just awful timing. Like I booked that interview, <laughs> and and then that thing, and then he had he talked. It was it was sort of like a tie, and he. He had been introduced the day before, and it makes a lot of sense. Look, the first head coach in franchise history, it's right. awesome. We talked about Sam Mills in the old days. Yeah, but then, of course, social media, just all they talked about the whole day before was the the hair possibly being sprayed on. And I, I had to sit there 
and try to let national national radio hosts that I know were challenging me on their shows. I, I wasn't even <laughs> on this show. They were trying to right. bet me to ask about the hair. I'm like, come on, man. What do you want me to do? I thought about it, but I was like, I yeah. can't do this, man. Come on. Did you stare at it the whole time? Yeah, it was a, it was a phone interview. Oh, but I okay. but I have an update to this. So we haven't spoken okay. in a while. Uh, we okay. the, the Panthers were kind enough. Um, at the end of May, they invited my co-host Mac and I into the facility to okay. to spend an hour with Frank Reich in his office and talk. It was it was really cool, man. He's a really good dude. So you feel awful yeah. for having him. We got to we got to hang out with we got to hang out with Fitterer and and see the the operations and just kind of get a cool view of the facilities. And then uh, <laughs> they <laughs> they brought us into Dom's office. <laughs> And, and he turned around, and I was like, I don't, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even stare. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I had no idea. You were, look, just like, hey. you were looking at the ceiling. You were looking at the floor. Yeah, I was like, hey, I, hey, coach, how you doing? Hey, great to have you back. Hey, good to see you. So there we go. I picture, I picture T Bone. He's got a bunch of mannequins with various ones for days of the week. Maybe sitting on top of them. Is that the case? Oh did you, yeah, like uh, he had them like lined up like Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, I looked for that. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Hey, go!" <laughs> like, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare. Yeah. Oh god. And That's then I remember good. leaving there because I, I met Jim Caldwell too. Like, I met Josh McCall. I met like all these guys, Deuce. Right. I met all these guys, and I said, "Wow, this is the greatest staff." It was like a sitcom moment. Wow, this is the greatest staff ever. And then months later, it's like, "Oh god!" Right. Both, both of them are gone. Nobody's now. there. Yeah, yep. everybody's gone. All right. Uh, hey, Travis, great to talk. Thank you for giving us the skinny on what's yeah. going on out there. We appreciate it. Absolutely. No no, no problem. I'm sorry I can't be uh, talking here in more upbeat times, but uh, this is the uh, this is the plight we're all dealing with right now. Well, look, uh, we nobody likes a bad season for the teams you cover. We just had one for ECU football. But yeah. in some ways, it is, uh, it is a little more uh, – it, it makes our jobs uh, – Never a dull moment in some ways. So yeah, and it makes you it makes you uh, as cliched as it is. It makes you um, appreciate the better times when those come up because you oh, go yeah. through so much to get there. So yeah, and trust us. If we when I say good times, I mean like the John Fox seven and nine times. Like that to me is like the glory day. Can we get like God, right. Can we get to like seven wins? I've got an idea for you as the next coach. Okay. Ron Rivera, bring him back, baby. Bring Big Riverboat oh, back. To I, the fold. I loved him. Yeah, when it was when it was over, it was over. Like it was time to move on. But you can't find that man held a twenty five minute presser to say goodbye in the seat. Like not many I know. coaches. Not many. Yeah, he he. When we talk about honoring the legends of the past, that's one that Tepper's got to honor pretty quickly because that dude was everything around here. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Travis. We'll talk to you soon. <clears throat> All right, man. Appreciate you guys. See, uh, there he goes, uh, T-Bone from uh, Mac and Bone in the morning. Could you imagine? I mean, when you spot a rug, it is a little off. Uh, it, can, it can be a little off-putting, Pilk, you know? For sure. And that Dom that Dom Capers deal, that looks like it was sprayed on. Sounds like it, yeah. It looks like it was sprayed on. Okay. All right, Pilk's enthralled by this, I'm sure. He just wants to do his update and pirate report. <clears throat> so... While I freshen up some water, Pilk is going to do that, and uh, we'll come back. And then Steve and I go will join us. We'll get uh, talk about yesterday's press conference. So here he is, the one and only, 
Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report. Pilk. Thank you, P-Man. We are going to start in Pirate Athletics. Five Pirates were named to the all-conference football team. Safety Julius Wood was named to the first team, while Deontay Johnson and Savon Revel were named to the second team. Jeremy Lewis was named to the third team, and Chad Stevens got honorable mention honors. Pirates offensive lineman Isaiah Foote has entered the transfer portal. ECU baseball schedule came out earlier today. The Pirates will open the season February 16th as they host the Bronx of Ryder, who threatened very much in the Conway Regional a year ago when they took Duke to a seventh game. Other notable home games throughout the season include UNC on Sunday, February 25th, UNCW on Tuesday, March 26th. Charlotte will be here from April 12th through the 14th. That's a Friday through Sunday. State will come to town on April 23rd. That is a Tuesday. Also on a Tuesday, May 7th, they will host the Blue Devils of Duke. Earlier today, the women's basketball team defeated Hampton 75-55. Danae McNeil led all scorers with 31 points. Pirates will be back in action against Coppin State on Saturday. Tonight is day two of the ACC-SEC Challenge. Notable games going on. Number 10, Tennessee travels to the Dean Dome to take on 17th-ranked Tar Heels at 7:15. Wake will host Florida tonight. 7th-ranked Duke will be on the road in Fayetteville, taking on the Razorbacks of Arkansas at 9:15. That'll do it for your 94 through the game sports flash update and pirate report. On the other side of this timeout, we will be joined by Stephen Igo, hoist the colors to talk about the Pirates' potential new OC, transfer portal, and more. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. Back on the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app. Uh, very pleased to welcome at this time uh, one of the real, uh, we, we got him out of the portal, an asset. He's our QB1. The great Steven Igo from Hoist the Colors is uh, with us, a triumphant return to the PJ show. Uh, Igo, how are you? I'm doing good, Patrick. Always good to be on uh, the Patrick Johnson show. And yeah, I got still got to work on my NIL deal over here. But uh, otherwise, hey, man, going pretty good. I, I know me and you. You ain't the only one. Yeah, you we're always trying one. to up our NIL, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll, uh, hey, it's, it beats some of the other things that, uh, other hosts may get for NIL, but, uh, no, pretty good stuff. And you're right. We always, we're always looking for more. All right. So, uh, Steven, uh, wanted to get you on lots going on, obviously with pirate football, uh, yesterday, the, uh, John Gilbert press conference, you were there, we reviewed it yesterday. You've reviewed it on your show. Uh, what do you, uh, what, what were your impressions of, uh, how all of that went down and what John, Gilbert said maybe what John Gilbert didn't say yesterday. I think just the confirmation that Mike Houston is going to be back next year. We all kind of knew it, but and we had talked to him on the coach show the night before, but he had not come out and addressed the entire media, the entire public. So it was good for him to get that message out there and want to get that message out there. It was clear he wanted to talk about that situation, kind of put it to bed. You know, anytime you have a two and ten season in year five of a head coach. We can get into the reasons that happened, but I mean, there's always going to be speculation and he needed to come out and put that to bed and he did just that. So that was good. The other thing I asked him, what are the expectations going forward for the administration for football? And he said, basically the minimum expectation is a bowl game. And he said he sees ECU in the, in this era of the American athletic conference, being able to compete for conference championships. So not that that's going to happen every single year, but he expects to be in the upper third of this league and in bowl games at a minimum every year. Clearly, that was not met this year. 
So that tells me if I'm Mike Houston and this coaching staff, you've got to get back to a bowl game next year to feel good about your job security. And I think that's the same wavelength and expectation with Mike Houston as well. So those are my biggest takeaways. I also asked about season ticket sales. How do you keep that from plummeting too much given the results on the field this year and those people that are going to be on the fence after a 2-10 and 10 season? He addressed that, saying that everybody needs to stay together. It took everybody to kind of get out of the rut that Mike Houston got ECU out of initially. And it's going to take everybody again, even with a disappointing season. So I thought it was good. He spoke about 30 minutes. He said what he needed to say. Those people in the camp that, you know, for whatever reason, want to move on uh, with the new coaching staff or whatnot after this, uh, you know, poor season, they're never going to be happy with what is said until games are starting to be won. But I thought John Gilbert did what he needed to do in front of the audience. We're talking to uh, Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors, uh, 247 Sports. Also, Hoist the Colors Radio, which is uh, heard noon until 1 every day on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media App. Igo uh, with us this afternoon on the PJ Show. So let me ask you this, uh, Stephen. Um, what I'm hearing there is six wins minimum is what next year needs to be. Uh, going to a bowl is what next year uh, needs to be. Um, but, it, you know, it doesn't matter – if if you don't address the quarterbacking situation, and to me right now that seems to be the biggest, you know, just talking to some other coaches, they have some point. Now the receiving core, it did improve in certain areas. The running game got a little better. I don't think the offensive line is talentless. I, I don't know. I mean, they've got some guys that look the part. I just don't know how well they adapted to whatever scheme they were trying to go for this year. And and so I mean, but I think there's guys there you could do something with. It's, it's the quarterback, and you've got to figure out a way, especially now with Mason Garcia in the portal, because that doesn't look like that's going to be an option even in a different position, or even somebody could come in and maybe work with him, so that's gone. You know, you bring Flynn back. Flynn's smart player, nice guy, serviceable, but he's not – I don't think he needs to be your starting quarterback going into next year. I, I also have real concerns over Jeter at this point uh, about his readiness. We've heard that. Where have we heard that story before? You know, the ready, the guy's not ready, or the guy is uh, needing to get ready. So, I, I, to me, you've got to go out and get some kind of quarterback. Even if it's a JUCO guy, Stephen, you got to go out and get a quarterback. I yeah, I think you got to get multiple. I mean, I think you got to get a guy for sure that has at least some level of experience and a guy the offense can rally around because Patrick. So many times this year, EC was in these close games, and we all know the offense struggled, but also. Like, you got into the fourth quarter, and if you're in that offensive huddle or the offensive sideline, how many times did we see Holton Aylers kind of get those guys fired up, get them believing that we're going to go make these this game-winning drive, we're going to go make this game-winning play, and the belief is where it starts, and that's extremely cliche, but it's one of those things where you have to have that guy on offense to rally around. ECU does not have that guy right now. No disrespect to Alex Flynn, Mason Garcia. They try their best, but they never made – the game-winning plays in the fourth quarter to get the belief in those guys. So you got to get a guy who, A, is confident himself and then can obviously rally around the others uh, around him. And you ideally get that from a guy who has played and who has won football games. And if not, he better be darn talented and you better be darn sure he's going to become that guy. And uh, the reason I say you get multiple is because of what you mentioned. Raheem Jeter, probably not ready. Looks like he's going to come back. He'll be a redshirt freshman. You're bringing in Cole Hodge, a true freshman. He's expected to sign in December. Beyond that, that's two scholarship quarterbacks. You ideally want four, if not five. So even if you add one, that's three. 
you want to add four, uh, in my opinion, you want to have four. So I think you add two, if not three. So, I, you know, they've looked at the Juco ranks. Ty Keyes, former Southern Miss quarterback, has an offer. We'll see if he ends up visiting with the new OC and maybe, you know, possibly committing there. The good news is, Patrick, there are so many quarterbacks in the transfer portal right now, and the portal hasn't even opened yet. You got grad transfers in there who are eligible to go. You got guys like Mason Garcia who have announced they're going to enter on Monday when it becomes official. So there are options. You're just going to have to need an OC who either A, has a connection and can bring somebody with him or knows how to evaluate the right guy. Let's uh, talk about the OC search. Uh, what are you hearing on that? It is ongoing as we speak. Today is Wednesday. They had an on-campus interview uh, this morning. And, uh, you know, I've heard it went very well. We'll see if we can confirm a name for that. But, you know, the feeling I get, I think they're going to go in, in a pretty completely different direction offensively. There's so much out there about Mike Houston and being committed to running the football, playing smash-mouth football. I think he still wants offensive balance, but I think he wants I think he wants to be able to throw the football next year. And a, a big part of that is certainly bringing a quarterback, but I think you're going to see a very aggressive offensive style based on the candidates we're, we're kind of getting wind of at this time. So I think it's, it's clearly showing to me he's willing to adapt his nature. I mean, you look at it. He's been a triple option guy. Donnie Kirkpatrick obviously was pretty heavily RPO-based, but a lot of run. I think the next guy will have some RPO concepts, but throwing the ball more is going to be a, a key. He said earlier this week he wants somebody not to fit his own style, but to fit ECU style. And Patrick, to me, that says, he, he. you look back at the best ECU offenses in school history, what do they do? They throw the football to set the run. I think ECU's got to get back to that, and I think that's an area they will try to address. And I think uh, just based on the names that you've heard and I'm, I'm sort of starting to hear is – they're going to play a faster style. They're going to want to press the accelerator on offense. So even if they're not winging it around the field the whole way, they're going to at least pick up the pace a little bit. And uh, and, I, and I think that's key. Uh, the thing that's kind of struck me the other night, Stephen, on air and off air, was Mike Houston uh, very confident that the, a lot of the defense, even players and staff, are likely to be back um, this year. So what are we hearing on the portal uh, we know Garcia's in. What else are, are you hearing? And uh, will there be, in certain spots, a mass exodus? Or, or do you think that maybe a lot of these guys are pretty committed to, to staying and, and receiving some kind of NIL? As it stands right now, I think the guys you want to keep, for the most part, if not all, are pretty much committed to returning. And the reason I say pretty much and not 100% is because, look, they're going to go home over Christmas holidays. They're going to talk to their parents. They're going to talk to their uncles. All these guys, all these you know, people are going to say, hey, go where you can make the most money. So you just never know what can happen when they leave campus. Right now, they're in the building. They seem committed. I've seen so many instances, where even you know, when it comes to guys like Jaquan McMillan, Keaton Mitchell, they were committed to coming back. They went home. Then they decided to declare for the NFL draft in past years. It's the same thing with Tyler Sneed. So you never know where this is going to go. That happened in the portal as well. But right now, I feel good about your key defensive players returning. I think with the efforts of Team Boneyard, you're going to see a significant increase in NIL, the initiative there, the overall funding, but also maybe a different method of rewarding your most significant players, uh, a little bit more compensation to retain them. Uh, retaining all-conference guys. You know, you have three of those guys who are listed as all-conference today that have eligibility remaining in Chad Stevens, 
Siobhan Revel, and also Deontay Johnson. If not, they're going to be highly sought after players in the portal and somebody else will pay them. So you got to find a way to retain those guys. I feel good about them right now. Mass exodus-wise, I think you're just going to have to see a lot of backups who have not panned out or want to play more probably hit the portal because you only got 14, 15 seniors, Patrick. They've already signed or they've already they've already committed 20 guys between high school and JUCO. They're going to commit more guys from the JUCO ranks. They're going to add for the transfer portal. You can only have 85 guys on scholarship, so you, somebody's got to go somewhere, and you can't yeah. bring them all back. Let me ask you this, uh, back to Mason Garcia. Where do you think ultimately is his destination? Because, I mean, physically the ability is there. Uh, he's a freak athlete. He's got an arm. He maybe needs to totally be in a different offensive system, and, and maybe a change of scenery will do him good. How do you see that ultimately? I mean, and I guess I'm talking – what level? Let's let's you know. There's P. There's the P five. Let's say the American is on that tier where you know they are maybe the sixth conference. Do, does he go somewhere like that or the Mountain West, which I would kind of consider somewhat on equal uh, ground, or is it you know a level down uh, to maybe lower uh, FBS or is it FCS? What do you think? I think it depends on what he wants. Does he want to go somewhere where he's guaranteed to be the guy? And to get another shot at being the guy, I think if you go to FCS, you have a more realistic shot at that. I've also heard Coastal Carolina has interest. You know, that's his hometown program. But the problem is they already got a guy, Ethan Vasco, who, who they kind of see as the potential future. So does he want to go to a program where he's going to have to compete or be the backup again? I don't know if that's the right decision for him. If he wants to go to a system where it's more run-oriented, less decision-making, I think that would be ideal. So there are just so many quarterbacks in the portal right now. It's going to take a while, I think, for the pecking order to unfold, see what's realistic, what's not. And I do think he's got enough talent. And with the four-star recruit label, former four-star recruit label, to me that will, will help get him a lot of looks because a lot of teams will see this guy was highly recruited. He was ranked this high for a reason. Why did it not work out at ECU Every coach thinks they can fix someone else's problem. Right. And and that's you know, that will end up landing him probably somewhere pretty good. Yeah. Steve and I go with this here. Last thing for you, let's uh, shift the basketball a couple of uh items, the Cam Hayes thing. Uh I thought it was interesting to hear Mike uh or excuse me, John Gilbert speak on that yesterday. We saw the Mike Swartz uh comments uh in uh, in a release form before Thanksgiving. Uh so you know, I, I think all along, the plan was, okay, this isn't likely, so you know we're planning on him being part of the equation for the next two years. I do know this. East Carolina seemingly could use uh, – you could never have enough shooters, and uh, that's what he would bring to the table. There's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, look, you need shooting. You need more guard play. You need more depth. You look at this team right now, Patrick. I don't – after you get through the first six guys, I mean, there is a pretty steep drop-off. I feel pretty good about Bobby Pettiford, R.J. Felton, Jaden Walker, Quentin DeBoonjay, Ezra Osar, and Brandon Johnson. After that, any combination on the floor not featuring those six guys, you have a pretty big drop-off. So if you can add a seventh guy in Cam Hayes who's a proven scorer, who can defend on the perimeter, they've been getting, getting beat way too much off the dribble. He's a pretty quick, strong defender. I think that makes you a much different team. Just as we saw the other night with Ezra and Brandon not being 100%, when your top players are not 100% effective, 
it's going to lead to major issues for a team that's not very deep. So you just need more depth. My problem is, what at what point does this does this get resolved? Even if he does get eligible, if it doesn't happen until January, February, then is it really worth it? Or do you want to redshirt him and save the two years of eligibility? That's something the coaches and Cam Hayes himself will have to decide on. He's already been in college three years. This will be year four. Does he want to be in college six years? So that's another factor as well. But certainly it, it seems like ECU feels like it has a strong case. And for whatever reason, the NCAA doesn't feel that way now. But it seems like that battle will continue. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow night's game, UNCW and East Carolina. Uh, obviously, there's uh, the rivalry factor doing a study on the Seahawks and watching some stuff on them. They look like, from an athletic standpoint, they're going to be similar to Kennesaw in style, I think, and, and athleticism. But they, they have long wings. I mean, this looks like an American roster in some spots. They've got a great point guard in Shai Phillips, who's from South Central. So, Zamar's uh, so going to be a real test for, for Mike Schwartz's Pirates. Yeah, UNCW is legit. They we we traveled to uh, Wilmington last year. Uh, Casey Romaley, who will be on my show tomorrow, intern Hoist the Colors, our basketball guy. We traveled to Wilmington last year. We sat courtside, and honestly, it was it was not a competitive game. UNCW dominated the game. They're very tough to beat in Trask Coliseum. They played uh, extremely well in that environment. I would expect ECU to come out into this game with a chip on their shoulder. You have a lot of the same guys back on both teams, and so for me you're going to have some of that revenge factor that maybe you don't normally have in college sports these days with the portal and all the guys changing locations year after year. But I think ECU is going to remember that game. They didn't play well. There was some, you know, pretty good trash talk throughout the game. This is a pretty big rivalry game. If you're familiar with ECU athletics and UNCW, especially in basketball and typically ECU plays really well inside Menji's Coliseum against UNCW in Greenville. So you got some factors there, but UNCW on paper is the better team. I still don't think we've seen ECU play its best basketball, though. I mean, it's just one of those things outside of maybe Georgia Southern and a little bit against Campbell. The Pirates have not looked in sync on defense, and if, they, if they're not in sync on defense and they can't handle the transition, the quick uh, sh shooting on, on Thursday, they could give up 90-plus points. I mean, they're giving up too many points right now, and that's got to be addressed definitely if you're a defensive-minded coach like Schwartz. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Keep up with uh, Stephen Igo, 12 noon, Monday through Friday with Hoist the Colors Radio here on 94.3 The Game and at the IBX Media app and also uh, Hoist the Colors online and on social media. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Patrick. That's Igo. Thanks to him. Thanks to Travis Hancock, T-Bone from FNZ. Uh, and uh, our interns as well as Phil the Rep Pilkey. Pilk will be here tomorrow with Jim Zoki and Talk at ECU's baseball schedule in further detail. I'll be on the ESPN Plus call of ECU and UNCW. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town, and have a great evening, everybody. Fantastic Sam's Cutting Colors, Hiring Styles. If you're driven